Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. And... Fem on Creative. So Fem on Creatives is where we at the Fem on Collective talk to amazing, interesting women about their creative work. And we're here together. And that voice you heard, Indie Comic Spotlight people, is, of course, former co-host, excellent oh, yeah, friend, me. wonderful <laughs> human being, Rhea is back. And hello, Femon folks. I've been on the Femon, the Femon podcast several times. The last one, I believe it was Rhea and I discussing whether or not we should be discussing something. So that was good fun. <laughs> but we're here. Who's our guest, Rhea? Ooh, oh, I didn't know I was doing the introduction because <laughs> you were taking the lead. <laughs> well, we were just discussing this creative's amazing name so we are talking to oh I feel like because your name's so cool I feel like I need to do sort of like a drum roll fanfare type thing because you sound so badass so I'm not very good at doing introductions now and I feel like I've really bigged it up and given myself (laughs) a lot of pressure so I think it's probably how this conversation is going to go because I'm actually very excited to talk to you uh oh my god I'm really dragging it out aren't I (laughs) (laughs) oh no okay this is no I'm very clearly very excited so we are talking to Maseko Rocks thank you so much for having me oh my god we are so excited about this so uh, Maseko has a new book out um, from Macmillan Kids and it is the sequel it's the second in her second we don't know if it's going to be ongoing we'll discuss if there'll be a book three in the Bounce Back series, we're getting a thumbs up. So, Misako, hello. Hello, konnichiwa. Thank you for being here. We're very excited. Rhea and I have been, like, texting each other all week. We're like, oh, my God, we're going to say all the words. And she's just going to stare and be like, did you guys need me? We're going to, we promise. <laughs> um, this book is glorious, and I love everything about it. And so, but before we get into No Such Thing as Perfect, the new book, which we will totally not spoil people, but we are going to talk around and her amazing artwork, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, and I, you are not the color artist, I believe, but I would like to discuss the beautiful yes. colors. Um, but, so before we start, anytime somebody's new on Indie Comic Spotlight, the first thing they have to tell us is their comic book origin story. Like, no one accidentally makes manga. No one wakes up one morning and is like, I think I'll be a comic book writer, unless they love it. So tell, the, tell everybody your comic book origin story. Hmm, actually... I decided to be a comic artist and a manga artist because I failed so many times <laughs> and I failed to be a puppeteer the Broadway. <laughs> I wanted to be a puppeteer for Lion King musical for a long time. That was my dream. And that's why I moved to New York City. But then, I mean, New York City had so many talented people with mm-hmm. amazing talent. I had only passion and a passion <laughs> didn't take me anywhere. And then I realized, what am I going to do? And I was working at Children's Museum, and I was at the front desk. And then little kid came to me with a Dragon Ball Z Japanese manga, but in English. And he said, like, hey, are you Japanese? Do you know this manga? I mean, of course, I grew up with it. My entire family in Japan grew up with it. And he told me, just go to the public library. There's so many manga in English. So I went there, and I saw just like one wall just packed with manga. And that's the time I realized, you know what? 
I mean, I failed so many things. I tried so many things. Just might as well. Let's give a shot. I'm going to be an original manga comic artist in America. So that's how I sort of studied by myself. I didn't go to school, anything at all. And I took a two years <laughs> for me to find my own style. But that's how I started it. That's only two years. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wow. But only two years, but it was really tough though. Because mm. um, the thing is, me, I'm pretty, I think I'm really good at disciplining myself. Mm. So I sometimes like, in a way, just feel like I was tying myself in a chair. <laughs> I didn't move anywhere until I figured it out, some like a style. So I... I just got tons of books from library and I copied and I wanted to just make my own style too. So I used Japanese calligraphy brush pen to sort of like maybe find a dramatic but really sensitive lines. So yeah, that's how I started it. But I mean, obviously after that, I started calling so many publishers because that was like maybe 2005, six or something. And um I didn't know how to just find the publishers. I just, you know, I just searched famous publishers, America. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I found out like, oh, so many of them in New York City. So, you know, there's a, like 800 number, right? Everything. I just started calling them. And I just wanted to just sort of give them, you know, just most positive expression ever so i put the mirror in front of me and then like i just i was smiling and like hi my name is misako just like you know i'm japanese and i'm making a manga i just want to submit my artwork how can i do and then just they introduced me to other editor and an editor that's how i started getting known a lot of editors in new york city that's awesome that is like confidence <laughs> times million <laughs> Yeah. And people can't see my face, but my jaw is just literally on the floor. <laughs> like, I love that so much. I love that you just went, I'm going to try this. I'm yes. doing it. I'm enjoying it. I want my own style. And I'm just going to ring someone. If somebody, uh, you know, I'm British, so I have this reservation constantly where I'm so <laughs> scared about approaching everyone. And so I'm just listening to you and I'm just like... <laughs> It's pretty inspiring. I I guess I'm always like that. Like I just don't like um wasting my time or Mm. I just don't like feeling regret it regret it unless Mm. I tried something. And I would be way happier to be you know, just fail after I tried. But I just don't like the feeling, oh, what if I did? I should have done this. That was sort of like, I guess my personality I had. I I think it's coming from my grandpa in the west side of, no, north side of Japan, because we have samurai family. Like my last name is Takashima. And uh, my Takashima family, we are samurai. So my grandpa inherited all the armor and the katana. So he had the really strong, tough love, discipline and he's just the kind of a guy you know like I decided to do this I go I think I sort of like got the blood from him that's awesome now I now what I need because I know you've got the te- the the YA book where it's like your story about the you know being in the band and being in high school and everything but like I feel like we need that one I think we need oh, okay. the time travel like the <laughs> yes. new the new one is Misaka time travel and you are I mean, you're a samurai. I'm here for that. I think that we just created your next your next book, your next YA 
The next high school book is You as a Samurai. I'm samurai. for that. I'm all about that. All right. <laughs> I, oh my God. Okay. So what, so you said this kid comes up to you at the museum and he's like, have you read this? And so you said, of course. So like, is that like when you were a kid, when you were in Japan, like you read manga, that was just like. Yes. Everywhere. Oh, yes. Yeah. All everywhere. Because in Japan, we do have, let's say, biweekly magazine or monthly manga magazines for boys and girls, even adults too. So we do have so many. And even my parents, they grew up with manga. So manga was always in front of me. I think it's just in front of every Japanese kid. So it's easy, I guess, for us to sort of like understand what the manga is. I mean, you know, we grew up with it. So obviously, Dragon Ball Z was one of the most famous manga anime in Japan, in the world. But in that world, time, I sure. even didn't watch TV. Or mm. I didn't, I guess, I don't have anything. So... <laughs> That's why I was mm. so shocked to find out Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Sailor Moon, you know, those three just famous ones just became, I don't know, phenomenal, just a big Japanese pop culture, you know, in America. That's how I learned everything about pretty much manga from those American kids, in a way. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I love that story, though. That's so great. Because, like, I covered Sailor Moon on the show years ago. Yeah. And, um... We did the original, like when she first gets her powers, you know, and there's the four of them and whatever. And, right. Like I didn't know because I didn't. That was my first foray into Sailor Moon. I didn't know the whole lore, so it was so fascinating to know how, like, how deep it goes and how, like, for you, it's just like, yeah, everybody knows that she's really twelve and what you know, she's not really. This <laughs> yeah. is what she looks like. It's like a Shazam thing, and you didn't know. And I was like, I had no idea. It's fascinating. Just you know, yeah, she's so big. Like I knew who she was without having read it. Like she's one of those characters. All of them. All the Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, and I don't know. And in England, it's the same too, right? Where there's just mangas, mangas everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It used to be. So if I remember when I first moved to London, this was like 21 years ago. Um, there's like a small section in a big store called Forbidden Planet, which is sort of like a huge geek mega store. And then, um, and then just over the years, you just see it grow and grow and grow. And, and it's what I really enjoy is people just diving in and going for it and just being like I'm going to go and experience that and like we're experiencing that with anime as well that it's kind of I feel like there's no barrier to entry so it doesn't surprise me that from you from being super little growing up that manga's just always been there because I feel like it it's a genre that I don't know if genre is the right word but it embraces so much and explores so many stories whereas sometimes literature and comic books especially for young people can be really limited um which is one of the reasons I like no such thing as perfect actually I I was very careful going into it I've sort of taken a bit of an attitude with stuff now where I don't read about it or or anything until I read it and so I did that with no such thing as perfect I was like I yeah exactly like I saw I saw the email and I said this sounds amazing I want to do it and I thought not normally I would like google you and stuff like that I was like I'm not doing it I'm going straight in and I just thought for the age group, so it's sort of um, so it's sort of nine to thirteen, isn't it? I thought what you're exploring for that age group is so interesting and actually quite rare. I think to get nine to thirteen year olds to start thinking about their place in the world, how they can't communicate with people around them, their complicated relationships, and present it in the way that you did is so smart. And I just think there's we need more of this for young people 
like I would have loved this at that age because it's such a confusing time so I know so true isn't it (laughs) (laughs) I was that too I mean I was in shadow my brother my my brother so Emma is based on like 40 percent of me Mm-hmm. who was in the shadow, my smart brother, and it's 60% of my students who are struggling with perfectionism. Yeah. That's how I just came up with it. This is, a, I mean, one of the biggest issues we have right now. And I feel like I have to just dig deeper and maybe just create the story that can, you know, give a boost and also kids can feel like it's okay to make mistakes. That's how I started making this story. And it, it's so, so important. Much. It's it, it, it what what I think is is the most important thing that you do. And and I've talked to other you know middle middle reader you know artists, and I know you do YA too. But like the the honesty, like you're like no no they can handle this. Like you you don't sugarcoat it. You're like this is true. And instead of trying to like make it seem different than it is, it's like warts and all, and like. Emma's unlikable at times because yep. every teenager is and and it's and it's so honest and it's so like it's like brutally honest like you just you yeah. love it like you sit with it and you're like oh man that time I was that way or you know I've got kids I've got adult kids so it's like oh I remember a 13 year old stomping around my house like that and like and you and you were so honest in to, about her and her sister but I really love as as parents um, I'm sure you feel the same way, Rhea. Like the way that the way that you captured the parents, the honesty in the parents too. So like this is something that you could give to the whole family and be like, hey, everybody, you probably need to read this because you can all relate. So that was a big thing for me. Like, what was your it's easy to, to say, like, I'm gonna write for young people, like Rhea said, and find a voice for them, but you also wanted like it was really important. Like, I think a 13-year-old's gonna read this and go, like, oh, maybe my mom's not an idiot. So how did you make that decision to like make a three-dimensional parent character, which a lot of times in young adult fiction or middle fiction, the parents are non-existent? That's so true. Yeah. So I grew up with my parents um, kind of easy on me because I think this is more like a Japanese family thing or maybe Asian family thing. They really more value son. (laughs) So to my mom, my brothers are so important. So I remember every time, you know, he was going through, she has to help him. And then I was also like, you know, just doing everything for him. So they didn't say no to me at all, whatever I want to do. And but that's why I guess I sort of know my limit. And in a way, I took it more positive way that, oh, my parents trust me. So I know. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, how much, I mean, what the boundary is and everything, but also I met a lot of parents. I mean, some of them really understand uh, kids' freedom, boundaries, stuff like that. But some of, you know, parents, since they, let's say they have a twins or like a kids who are so close to each other, I think unconsciously they're sort of comparing, right, one to another. And I thought like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty, <laughs> you know, hard for kids to just ah, to understand and the rejection all the stuff too and I, I know a lot of kids just want to get approval from parents so I just wanted to show that part too but also same time I didn't want parents I mean adults to solve teenagers yeah. problem so in a way I kind of made Emma's um 
mom is like my dad, slightly like my dad in it, and my other friends' parents in it too. So they're always doing their best they could do, and they think they're doing good thing for kids. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't it doesn't go that well. So I just wanted to show that little like confusion and irritation and just. So one third of this book, I'm pretty sure readers are gonna be like, "Oh my, ah, uh, just like, Emma is, ah, uh, but she wanna change. That's the thing. That's why she's struggling. And then I just want readers to get that feeling from her. And on like, I know Emma's supposed to be unlikable as such, but like very much identify with her especially at that age there's a specific scene I know we're not doing spoilers but she has a falling out with a friend and I I had to put it down afterwards because I very much remember an almost exact falling out from me me being Emma with one of my friends and it is just because you're so insecure about your place in the world and I don't think we talk about that we don't talk about jealousy with our friends especially at that age and how you feel that you can't compare to everybody else and I love how you put it in the world of competitive sport I think that's a really good way to show how it can be with anything and actually it's it works well because we get this background of characters as well which is I'm going to skip ahead about this because there's a story we can come back to the story but your art for the different characters I really appreciate it because sometimes I can pick up a comic book and I can't distinguish between all the characters because there's always so much going on and you know, it's one of the reasons I love this medium is that you've got to sit and look at the page and absorb it but I didn't feel that with this at all I felt like your style was so distinct that I immediately knew who was who and especially um with Emma and her sister, I thought like, because they look quite similar, but they don't. And I, it's just something that you've done with your style to do that. How did you work through differentiating all the characters to make it easier for us, the readers? Well, I mean, first it's practice. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, especially when I tell my students when they want to draw sibling characters and make sure some certain area is going to be similar. So readers can just pick up, oh, they're like, you know, related to each other. And Julia is a 17 years old, Emma's 13, that age group. So I just wanted more Emma's round character, you know, faces is round, a smaller chin, but I made a Julia's sort of like a between adults and tweens, you know, the little skinnier, like a little longer mm. face line, but the eyes, I sort of made sure that their eyes are really similar to each other. So I really pay attention to it. And actually Julia is based on my, one of my really good students in New York City. And I was just always, I guess, observing her to understand <laughs> how she was dealing with everyday life. So she inspired me to create Julia. So in a way, like, I always have a models for my student, I mean, my characters. So they kind of look like each other. I realize that. <laughs> yeah. So I really pay attention to like, also I teach. So I always tell my students, depend on the age, you want to change the, you know, like a size of a face and also size of eyes too. That's how I made, I mean, everybody's slightly different, but it's my style. 
So mm. still similar color, color tone, everything too. But Emma and Julia, yeah, definitely. They're different, but kind of same. When you can tell, you can tell they're related. And I think what's yeah. awesome is because the mom is there. And of course, Emma and Julia are the same generation. Uh, and their mother's the generation up. But you see them in her too. Like it is such a, and I agree. And that was, the, I, I mean, I'm glad Rhea brought it up because I do think it was, we did cheer, we did, Rhea and I did um, Cheer Up, Crystal Frazier's Cheer Up, which is a glorious book about competitive um, cheer. <laughs> um, and we even talked that some of the background characters, which were really important to the this love story that was happening in the front of the story, which it's a lovely book, Cheer Up. I can't recommend it enough. I love it. It's called Love and Pom Poms. It's glorious. But we even talked, Rhea, remember, like some of the background characters were like, hmm, which one was that again? They were all like, random yeah. girl in high school whereas you are like at, i mean and it's and what i love is like when they're when they're on the all-star basketball team and they're all introducing themselves it was like the perfect way for us as the reader to get to know all the characters and it was almost like in a, in we're in in less experienced hands it would have just been like a lineup of like here's everybody with things pointing yeah. at them and you're like no they have to introduce themselves and so then we got to see them and you gave each one of them a page or two so yeah. we could recognize a unique thing you gave each of them a thing not just that they're from a different school but this girl has this and this girl has this and she wears her shirt a certain way yep you're holding it up right now it's so good it was like so spot on so like i noticed it too so we and again it was just interesting because re and i did a, a some you know a different comic but it was about competitive sports too where you have a bunch of background characters so all of that to say to bounce off Rhea's question is as those background characters if i understand they're based on students and based on people but like are they going to be like, you gave them enough life that if you wanted to spin the series out, we could follow one of them. Is that the idea? Oh, well, I can't tell detail. Don't tell details. <laughs> okay. But they're real. They're fully realized. Yes. And they're so yes. unique, you know? Yeah. I know. But also what I learned is from my students a lot. And also my husband, that my husband used to play basketball entire life. And he was an all-star all-star I think when he was in middle school that's why I got inspired uh, from his story too and he told me I mean it's a boys too so the way they introduced each other is much more different but also my students they say that they really like reading uh, sidekick characters back even the characters in the background just more detailed because they say they they feel like they're in it together so I really remember my students what they had told me during the lessons and I thought like oh I gotta make their requests and I mean the, the dream come true. I want my readers to be in there with uh, Emma together. So that's I just always pay attention. Like this character is gonna be this height. I even wrote mm -hmm. the memo too. Like Aria five point three. <laughs> just Mari like five point maybe six. You know, I was always like deciding where they're even from, stuff like that. That sort of gave me a motivation to create more detail about characters. I'll just blown away. <laughs> it is, I it's love really... that. So they've just all got these details and backstories, yes. and you and like you can feel that as well. So um, I, like I said, I went into it not doing any research. So I hadn't read Bounce Back, which is the first book, right? And obviously now I'm going to buy it and go back and read it. But I love that I didn't need to read it to understand what Lilico's got who she is who she what she's going through that she's at a new school and all of that sort of stuff so 
so that's so it's just so clever that even though I've not read Bounce Back, I still I don't need that background to know who that character is because your writing of her is so good that I just know that from seeing what's on the page. Right. And they you want, want so much. and you want yeah. to know her, right? And so yeah. it's one of the things that you do that is brilliant. Nicole again, is my favorite, I have to say. I've just completely fell in love with her so much. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the best human being. Sorry, Tony. No, I no, just it's had totally to say right. I, I love, love her. We knew this was gonna happen. So <laughs> we were like, and then this whole show is us gonna tell Masada how awesome all, she is. All my yeah. points have gone out the window. Yeah, all my notes are missing. It's all good. Well, this is the thing though about that is you also, this is where I also feel like you didn't talk down to your audience because it's mm. so frustrating to me when you're reading a book and you're like, even in its own book, it's reminding you of what happened. Like you're on page 300 and they're like, remember back on page two, you're like, no, 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 no. Like, and so me, I'm a writer too. So I will even write right in the books. Like, I'm not going to reiterate what happened because you already read that. Like I just say it, my narrator just jumps right in and acknowledges that other books do it. But it's also hard because you're you're tying to a different to another story. So you're acknowledging like to your reader who are smart enough to understand like oh their lives exist. Like they were friends before today. They're going to be mm-hmm. friends when the book is over or enemies or whatever. And so I don't need to give everybody the whole Dickens treatment and be like they were born here and they did this and if it comes up in conversation so again it's really natural. And so was there, and I'm not trying to like throw shade at other writers or other people who do anything, but like there was clearly a conscious effort there. So that was my big thing as a writer myself, who's like always trying to pay attention to how you get from A to B and what to include and what not to include. So what was your rationale to be like, I'm going to, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. I, they're smart. I'm going to trust my audience to know they're reading a book. They're not dumb. So what was that in the plotting process? Or was there ever any times you're like, no, I have to cut that because that is redundant. Like, in that, in that process i have a lot of things i have to edit down like a lot that oh cut also my editor said Misako, this part is uh just dragging too much like oh okay i guess in a manga world all the manga books you know maybe you see it's like a up i mean back backward over there yeah. but manga book usually they keep going you know, one to, let's say, popular one go 10 volumes, mm. some of them 30 volumes, right? Yeah. So story goes little by little. Like they all, it's just, I know even the one volume, it's just about only one day. Right. So I'm so used to maybe the slow pacing, I guess. So I realized, oh yeah, because this book is just about one book and an Emma story completed. Sometimes I forget that. <laughs> so I made some speci- some scenes just, stretch too long so i really have to pay attention to it but also even as for adding a personality to each character i was not good at doing it before after i mean until my students told me and gave me the all the story because when i made maybe my earlier books i maybe pay attention to only my main characters And then, because in a way, that's a self-satisfaction. I was happy with it. But I, maybe I didn't think about what my readers want, what, how my readers get excited or inspired. So in a way, teaching manga really helped me. I mean, they inspired me and motivate me to create better story and better characters. 
So yeah, thanks then. I got pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretty probably really honest. They're like, Meh. yes, oh yeah. my God, they are. <laughs> they they don't have any like, you know, it's just gotta be yes or no. <laughs> That's the age group I'm dealing with. So it, I love it. It's refreshing. I don't like, I don't like, you know, just a little, un, what is called undirect. I like direct, direct yeah. message. So <laughs> Yeah, just tell me if it's working or not, and I just move it on. So, <laughs> thanks to them, yeah. So good. You, I, I want to talk about your world building as well. I'm going back to my notes. I'm very professional. So there is, the world is, for me, was really interesting. I felt it could be set, set anywhere, which I thought was really interesting. And then there's also trying to not, do spoilers um some other sort of fantastical elements that you bring in how did you did you well just tell me about that I'm presuming it's sort of like for a sort of mass appeal you want everybody to feel recognized type of stuff but I'm so fascinated about the world that you've built oh you'd be like the the world they live in and then just everything oh yeah so now I live in Wisconsin state the snowy snowy state but I used to live in me and my husband, we used to live in New York City for 16 years in Brooklyn. And uh, we are really close to a lot of schools. So I always saw kids. I mean, it's a New York City, so it's really international. And uh, their fashion's really interesting, too. I mean, they're the center of a trend. They're, I feel like kids in New York City, they were the ones who are making a trend. So mm-hmm. I felt like that way. So I've, I really wanted to use that element a lot. That's how I started just using, okay, the next book is going to be about Brooklyn, kids in the Brooklyn. But like you say, I wanted to, every kid in the world, to just feel related to every character. So it, that was a little bit of tough, I guess, for me to find the balance, but it's still like a modern and urban and then trendy, fashionable. I just, I sort of, yeah, tried to figure it out a lot in there. And, and to piggyback, and again, to not, I mean, okay, there's there's magical creatures. So we'll just say there's magical creatures, which is awesome. What a turn. So as part of the world building. So in addition, so it's this really, and I love that it's rooted, it's grounded. I know where you're talking about. I've been to that part of Brooklyn. I understand exactly what you're saying. And there's a young adult writer called Scott Westerfeld, who years ago wrote a book called So Yesterday. And it was about the cool kids in New York who set the trends for the world. It's like a secret cabal. So it's funny that you said that because I was like, there's a book. It's so it's so true. It is so true because you're like, I'm from Michigan. So I understand. I don't live there anymore, but I'm from there. So I get what you're talking about out in Wisconsin. You're like, if we're hearing about it, it's like seven years old. By the time it got to us, we're like still having mullets in 2004, you know, like because that's that's how it was. But so you've got this really rooted, grounded world, but then magic. So talk about that decision. And it and the thing is, right, Rhea, it doesn't take you out. It's not no. like this. What is this? You're like, of course. So yeah. I love that. I was just like, yeah, this is totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> I don't want that. No. So the thing I started, um, um, I guess, again, the manga anime, when I was growing up, so many popular ones, they always had a sidekick characters, some sort of like always there right next to main characters and a great listeners, but they they know solving the problems. And I really love that. So I wanted to use that element again, 
um, my next book that was Bounce Back and then No Such Thing as Perfect. But I didn't, the first, actually, cat character, Nico, um, Bounce Back, he's based on my grandpa. Oh. Again, the samurai, <laughs> my grandpa. But I didn't want to, grandpa, really go, I'm just not, not that. I just wanted something kawaii, cute. And, you know, cat is the most, I mean, cute, I mean, the cutest, most kawaii creature ever. And it'd be really interesting and kind of fun and eye-catchy if he started giving a life lessons and it's not going well so much. So I wanted to just bring that sort of element too. And Alexi is uh, based on my aunt in Tokyo. <laughs> so a little bit, a little sass, like a little, like a mm, kind of attitude she has. So the I scarf to... <laughs> is exceptional. Oh, I, mean, I love the, the scarf. The choice of the scarf is really great. I, I know. Love yeah. So yeah, I used her a lot. I used her character a lot, but also because the story or the theme on my, my book can be pretty serious because mm -hmm. you know, it's about fighting perfectionism and also rebuilding a, almost like a broken friendship. So it can be pretty sad, but I don't want my readers to feel just ooh, feeling down and just heavy. So I just wanted to make them laugh sometimes too because I feel like, I don't know, in a really serious situation, sometimes kind of kind of if we can laugh about it sort of lighten up and uplifting spirit so I wanted to sort of like bring that spirit that's why I use those magical characters and super cute you know like a dog and a cat because you you are great at tension I'm not gonna lie there I was there's moments where I was head in my hands being like Emma come on I was just I feeling know. more and more tense that I'm being like Oh no! God. And so I love that they were these then comedic moments that made me yes. feel it. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I don't want okay. I don't want them to. Yeah, I don't want them to solve the Emma's problems. Yeah, I don't want mom to mom or Alexi the one who made her realize. Oh, you know, like oh, because of then I can fix. I just want her to realize. But also, it's great to have you know someone who can just listen to her and be a friends because in a way Emma didn't have a friend who just listened to her no matter what except Nala so I think Alexis uh, yeah became a pretty important character in the story. and, and, and don't just... you just want someone to listen to you at that age you yeah just I know because yeah, they're I... complicated yeah. well and I think too it's one of those situations where we, we know it's magic. We know because we know from the previous book and we know because we know and the friends are all in on it. But there's also still, you leave it open enough, open enough for interpretation that the reader could be like, no, she's just talking. Like this stray dog that she found. And and that's just what you do sometimes. Like when you're miserable, like uh, Castaway, right? The whole point of having the volleyball in Castaway, they said was he can't, they can't have the whole movie where he's not talking to anybody, but there's nobody else. So they like, will make them talk to this volleyball because you got to have somebody to talk to. You got to have. So, so we could, as a reader go like, Oh, that's not magic. I totally believe that it's magic. I'm here for magic. I do believe in fairies. I do. I do. So I'm here. I've got, you know, like I've got Tinkerbell right oh. here. I'm not. So for me, I'm down, but if people don't want to believe in magic, they can be cynical and heartless, but they're also gonna be like, Oh, she's just a kid talking to a dog that totally checks out. So I think it was really smart 
that it wasn't a grandpa. Although a grandpa would be fine. Like who doesn't, I mean, Heidi's kind of a big deal. And, you know, so nothing wrong with having a grandpa to talk to, but I'm, I'm keen that it's a, it's a pet, right? I love it. Yes. Yes. Can I just ask? We do talk to like our pets, right? Because to your saying that, Tony, I'm like, I have full blown conversations with my cats. <laughs> Actually, me too, me too. I talk to my cats all the time. <laughs> I don't have pets, so no. oh. I'm a vegetarian me. who doesn't like the pets. I'm not. I'm not. I just don't want them in my fridge or in my house. I just it's fine because you know. But I understand. I'm not anti-pet. I understand. I think people do talk to them. Yes, I'm sure. Just yeah. making sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So that's why, it, too, if you don't want to believe in magic, if you're a heartless person, cynic who doesn't believe in magic, you can just be like, oh, she's just talking to her dog, so it's fine. But, and she imagines the dog talking back. But, like, Masako, the dog talks back, right? It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let everybody yeah. in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. So um. I, I did want to talk just you didn't you in your thanks at the end you thanks your color artist um so i would just i mean god it's so vibrant but you already announced admitted you know you have your own color like you have your own style obviously and then you also have your own um color uh sense of color so you had to you trusting somebody so tell me about how you picked her and how oh what that conversation is like because it's they're gorgeous like i think I mean, I always say the color artist is like the person who does the score, right? Oh, Star, okay. Wars, Star Wars without John Williams isn't isn't as good, right? And I mean, and I think if this were black and white, it would be great because you're so expressive and everything. But these colors are are glorious. So I'm just curious how you picked your color artist and um, what that conversation was like because I think it okay. really worked. All right. So the thing is, the bounce back, I didn't have any assistant, so I did it everything by myself. So each page coloring took. Ooh, like wow. sometimes eight hours per page. Oh my God. A page <laughs> and then a day, I have, that's what you were doing? Yes. Yeah, oh so I goodness. didn't have any holidays when I was making. And I set the sort of primary colors for Bounce Back series, uh, which is like 38 colors. That's what I used. But for no such thing as perfect, I mean, because of, because of the pacing, I'm not going to be able to finish mm-hmm. on time. So I decided to just uh, find, I mean, find a colorist to just do basic, basic oh, okay. one. So actually, if you every page still, I spend over four hours <laughs> to oh edit. God. Yeah. Um... So what my assistant Sora, she lives in Indonesia. What she does is um, she does really basic tone of uh, face, skin tone, and a basic just a hair tone. And then maybe close everything, just basic one tone, fundamental tones, she does. Then I go in and I just do really deep shading, shadow, bubbly color. So it still takes over four hours. And the background takes forever. So you're still doing the color. So she's doing doing the flats and you're doing the- Just the flats. Yeah, flats. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing though. But yeah. okay, so that's cool because that is still risky though. You're still like, these are my these are my friends, these are my people. I'm gonna. Hand these out. So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you know, at first I sort of gave her a little test, like, <laughs> hey, can you color? <laughs> so this is the way. Uh, you know, those are skin tones. I usually give a like a just a dot paint on the skin here, here, like a little like kind of like this, so she knows that. 
And then, so she went really detailed, like a between all the brush, my pen, all the details. She did a fantastic job and she does pretty fast. So that's why I hired her. And it's yeah. been it's been amazing to have someone who can do your flats because that's the part takes long time. And I, I just want to get into the shading yeah. and I want to give a cute bubbly eyes as soon as possible. <laughs> so that's amazing help. I mean, if you want, I can share sort of a Photoshop screen here. Oh, but it's a yeah, yeah. Do you want <laughs> I still want to see it. I yes, you want to see it as well. Okay, okay, okay. I All right. Always, so, we could, Rhea, we could clip this video and uh, share it on Instagram. Yeah, that's true. We, that's I have. True. We'll have the video. Yeah. Do I? Okay. Have All yeah. right. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Should I? All right. So I'm gonna share Photoshop, kind of a, because I'm going to show show this to my students today. So this is a pencil. I mean, the thumbnail. So it's pretty Ooh. rough, sort of like you know, just wrote it down, just memo everything then i go to actual pencil so i go really detailed and i wanted to want this seems a pretty important thing because emma nala hugging for i mean since a long long time so i wanted both of the face just looking at the readers so i changed the position everything then that's how i color everything so what my uh soda Actually, my assistant does is, I mean, she already did a flat one and then went to the shading, but that's the skin tone. But even the skin tone, you see all the shadow here mm -hmm. and the brush. Those are, I have to do everything. Those wow. shading, everything too. And the hair. And the Emma's hair is super long and wavy, so it takes forever. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and, and, and you've also, got lots of shades. Right. I love shading. Illustrating oh and also even the outfit. Nala loves cute outfits. So that's another hard one too. I have to design her outfit, dress, everything mm. from scratch. So that take a that takes a pretty long time. But also I think for manga, especially this bubbly, positive, energetic story, I think these background, those uh, noise sort of patterns are really important. So in the end, usually I go in really just go detail. I just pick a noise patterns from my computer and I sort of like a remake my own style to it. So this, but this one, since there's not the many background, I, I think I did it like a two, less than two hours, maybe four. Seems like a lot maybe. of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it works, but you know what? We, we the viewers, <laughs> the readers are rewarded for all of that work because it's glorious. Well, that's what I was going to say, actually. So one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, and it's not really a question, so do take a second to absorb okay. what I'm saying, is I was reading it and my five-year-old was looking at it over my shoulder. And there was one point when she was reading it and she went, why is that girl shouting? And it was Emma, and I think she's like, sort of like in a bottom panel and it's the background, there's lines coming off her. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah and... And, I, and so I said to my five-year-old, I was like, oh, what makes you think she's shouting? And she said, the lines and the colour. And I was just like, I love that. I love because she, she can't read all the words, but she just knew. And it wasn't necessarily from, I mean, you can tell from her expression that she's, you know, angry or upset. But it was it was the space around that she was interpreting as an emotion 
And it made me look at the rest of the book as I was reading it in a different way. And so, I mean, that's what I just wanted to say. I I've been trying to think of a question all day of how I can phrase it as a question, but I just <laughs> thought that, that like there's, I love that a five-year-old can look at it and understand what's going on. I love that. I love that. So especially background noises, I really pay attention to it. Sometimes I create my, uh, I create the noise with a pencil. Like when characters just going like, oh, just feeling down or like just this is the end of the world, that kind of a feeling. I wanted to add some noise. So let's say some sort of like, so I'm just going to draw that one just a quick here, but the <laughs> sort of like this, this kind of a noise yeah. Right. Yeah. This one I usually put on a computer and I use this this kind of a noise a lot too. Oh, wow. So I create and also I just do like this. So this crumble, like just the shatter, like uh, this kind of a texture, I also use a lot too. That's amazing. Oh wow. It, <laughs> I know. It, it, it is it is such it's a glorious expressive book. It's mm. it is, and I think. And I think that's as you know, as we're getting towards the end of our time, and I do think it's really important. And I'm glad you brought it up, Ria, because that was on my list too of like the difference between. So for people who've not read, now obviously you this you're publishing this in America, so because and I got the digital edition, so it reads left to right. But will the print edition read right to left? It's a uh, it's same as American graphic novel. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. So you're writing in the American graphic novel format, but you're still doing a manga style, uh, specifically Misaka Rock yes. style. But, but the one thing about it is it is like, the one thing that I love about when I read manga is it's like, as, as Rhea said, the emotions are on the sleeves and you've managed to take that and turn it up to like 11. And so I just, I, is that in your script or is that when you're done, then you go back and are like, that's that's not enough noise. That's not enough angst. That's not enough whatever. I'm going to add that in. I'm going to fix that. Or like in your script, when you're scripting it, because you write these yourself too. Everybody, she does it all. And she's teaching. <laughs> um, so when you're <laughs> scripting it, are you like, do you know, like, because you do the thumbnails. So is it from the thumbnail that you realize how much you need? Or or do you give yourself that grace to say like, mm, I got to add that to the finished panel because it's not emotional enough. Because these are, man, these are, these are heightened. You, I am with Rhea. I had to take a couple of breaks. And these, it's not like it's, 700 pages it's not war and peace but it's like you need to breathe we need to sit with them and and cope with what they're coping so i appreciate that so anyway so how do you what's your process there too oh i like the question well <laughs> so actually when i write script the thumbnails i don't add that much of a detail i don't add many details about how the background should be look like or like a noise texture, I don't add it that much. I usually sort of like wait until I finish inking process. And then I realized that I guess I sort of rely on the way my brush sort of stroke moves to, because the because of the hair, if hair line, if I went a little bit of like a thicker, it means like a pretty dynamic. That means I got to add this type of a noise. And that I guess that visual part comes to the end. Thumbnails mm -hmm. and the writing, I don't add that many details so much. Well, it works in the end though, right? Rhea? Yeah. I mean, I was actually going to ask Rhea that question if you had shown it to MJ and you did. So that's awesome yes. because I'm, <laughs> I, I figured she'd love it because she, she was reading Cheer Up over your shoulder too. 
She was, yeah. 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 And she was like, oh, and she said something, and that's different. It's a different style than yours, but it's like the fact that she's, because it's such a beautiful medium. And you mentioned like you grew up just reading it, and I'm, I teach college, and I will have, when I have students read graphic novels, one of the big complaints is they'll get the book and they'll say like, oh, you're making us read a comic book, dumb, whatever. And then they, then they'll email me like, I don't know how to read this. Like their brains, like sequential art is hard. It's hard on the brain. And so if you didn't grow up with it, yeah, I know. But then, but then they get a whole new respect for this level of storytelling because they think comic books in America, generally they think comic strips like a cow. And again, Rhea and I covered Calvin and Hobbes on here. So that's not like, that's not complicated, but like, three panels in a story whereas you know as you know best sequential art and you even mentioned how a 30 volume manga like sailor moon is still telling the same story however many years later right so it, you got to go back to issue one i mean you could pick it up anywhere but something that happened in volume one is still relevant and so there's just so there's just such a different level of storytelling and um i just appreciate the level of detail and the power that you've put in it and that you've said a five-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 50-year-old can read it and be like, this is glorious. And so I just, that's my final thoughts. I would love to know Rhea's <laughs> final thoughts and questions before we keep more praise on Masako and tell everybody where they can find it. <laughs> it's just glorious. Thank you for this. And Morgan, if you're listening, thank you for reaching out. Cause thank you. Is, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I will say some of MJ's other highlights, which was obviously the cute animals. And she went, oh, the doggy's got a bow, which, you know, <laughs> so obviously you fun her over. But I had a conversation with a children's book writer and illustrator called Beth and Wolvin, and she she said some really interesting things, like before she goes into a school and shows the children a book, she asks them about the character. And so she says, what do you think of this character? And then she'll read the book with them. And then afterwards, ask them questions, and of, and their and their opinions would have changed from the beginning of the book. So she, you know, she has one on Rapunzel, but it's a retelling of Rapunzel, and so Rapunzel like has lots more agency and stuff like that, and we'll have that. So I've been trying to do that with books with my daughter, and so when she spotted I was reading this and looked at it, and and so I was trying to approach it with that. So she's seeing this page where she can interpret that Emma's really angry, right? And then she's like, ah, oh, cute animals. And and she likes all the colours and she loves everybody's hair. And Emma's hair's the best because it's curly and brown and her hair's curly and brown and all of those sort of things. But then a bit later, when like Emma's starting to feel more like she can open up to people, but she's crying. So I'm then talking to her about that. And I said to her, you know, when you look at this, What's that? And she was like, oh, she's really sad. But is she sad, sad, or is she happy, sad? And I love that. I love that she could just look at your work and there's just, there's so much emotion in there. And we haven't got to talk about it because we're running out of time, but the body language that you use as well. And it's the fact that she can just look at that and she's going, and she's asking herself, is she sad, sad, or is she happy, sad? And I, And I just think... I've not got much of a point, but I just think it's really good. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I, I mean, I always check my students, especially teenagers' body language a lot, because when they're like kind of aqua, they just always put the hand on the shoulder, like doing, and then when they surprise, like are shocked, I don't know why, they always put the hand like, you know, in front of my mouth, like it just, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I try to make, just realistic as much as possible because mm -hmm. I don't want 
my um, readers to feel like I'm just giving a lesson. So, you know, it's not that at all. I just want them to feel like they're in it together and they can just keep growing together. That's the message I'm trying to, yeah, send it to my readers. So I'm glad even your daughter understands Emma's feeling. Yay. Yeah, and I love, I, I feel like she could look at it. It's, like, it's probably a bit too long for her to be fair because she's five, right. but I feel like she could look at it and understand the story and where Aww. it ends up as well as like enjoying all the cute animals and stuff and and I just think that's really wonderful and I think it brings a new layer to these stories I love young adult stories and stuff like that but I think doing it in this format it allows so much more for young people at this age to feel seen and feel listened to and as we, you know mm-hmm. as we said all they want to do is is feel seen and listened to yeah. and I just think that's really special it like really that, that's yeah yes it, no no it really is it's just I, I just was gonna just say yes I agree I just thought it was I just it's important that these stories live and that it's also important that you know these are girls and that yeah. they're awesome and they're all stars and it's this whole like there's so many Things like you said, you're we're part of the background. We feel like these are our friends, and I get really emotionally attached to characters, um, like more than I should probably. Like when 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 Brenna Thumbler's last book came out, um, Lights came out, and I as soon as like page six, and I saw what it was about, and I was like, oh no. Um, and she was even like she said to me, she's like, you knew it was coming. You knew I had. I'm like, I know, but I just like. You get, and I just feel like you really you give us a a personal connection to these people, and you make us feel like they're our friends, and we we could just be in the stands. We're gonna get to grow up with them. We can always revisit them. So I just you know to to piggyback off of what Ria was saying, it is just this really immerse immersive. Is that the word we've been missing the whole time, Ria? It's yes. Immersive. I'm glad. I'm so glad to hear that. So next year. I mean, Bounce Back 3 is coming out, so you're going to get to know more other characters. But, you know, it's funny, like, some of stuff, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. Sort of like, I can't tell that much, many details. <laughs> it's so hard to just explain because I'm in the middle of the making right now. Yeah. But... <laughs> But next next one is going to be another pretty dramatic, pretty good one, too. Because it's interesting. Now, it's funny. I'm making a graphic novel, novel, but also next spring, I'm going to release activity book, too. How to draw cute manga for younger age. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, wow. Activity books are different, completely different. Different genre. It's a different way to approach everything. So it's pretty interesting. Not only are you a delight, but you are an inspiration. Oh, thank you. It's yes. true. It's totally true. And and uh, Rhea, we did it. Look at we got to hang out with Misako for an hour. I, mean, I know. We've been like super nerding out about this. Yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah no, thank want, you so much. We didn't want to do it in front of you in the email chain because you'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to, these people are going to like, they're, it's a little much. But it, um, we love art. We are people who love art and we love things like this. And I just think it's super important as a father of, you know, I have four girls um, who are adult women now. Yeah. But like, just things like this matter to me, like the, mm-hmm. these books existing matter to me. Um, Cecil Castellucci's Plain Janes. This is like 
a love like this is in it i feel like this is in the same universe like as the plain like i feel like the plain janes like these girls in this in your in bounce back series will grow up and be the plain janes they'll be these like super cool really good friends they've gone through stuff together and there's yeah i just it's great i just love it so we should give her a chance to sell us so misako if somebody wanted to you keep talking about being a teacher so how would people find out all the cool things that you do and obviously people who don't know although we'll put some of this up on instagram she's got a hello kitty guitar um i believe you're also a guitarist so tell everybody about all the cool stuff where they can find everything okay all right so my online school online manga school it's called lam manga with misako and the website is lammangawithmisako.com. So you can find all the information about there. And you can find me at my Instagram, Misako Rocks. And also you can subscribe my newsletter, misakorocks.com. It's pretty easy to remember. Well, we'll link it all in the show notes too, Yay! right? It'll all be in there. And so this is, this is, I love our crossover episodes. This is great. This will go out on Indie Comic Spotlight. So you're listening to this one Thursday on Indie Comic Spotlight or one Tuesday or Thursday on Femon. And what, and I've got um, other stuff. I have no idea what I've got coming up. Stuff. You can just go to my website, arfarina.com, and you could look at my book and my stuff and whatever. Ria, what do you got going on? What's happening on in the Femon world? Oh, loads. Well, depending on when this comes out, uh, well, no, this will come out after our 100th episode. So we've right. got our 100th episode where we've taken listener questions. Uh, I was hoping for some more fun Ria's question style ones, but they're quite serious feminist responses. I did um, <laughs> I did a Ria's question question. So we've got that. Uh, we've, yeah. got, we've got the usual Literature for Life, Fine Cut with Alison. As I mentioned, I have an amazing episode with Beth and Wolvin. Um, children's illustrator and author and just the usual stuff going on come and join us it's fun come and join in the conversation talk about awesome things Femon uh, collective the best yeah femon.show is the website come and say hi yeah so all of that's there and then if you're listening on femon there's different links in that show note because they're better femon's better at show notes than indie comic spotlight i'll tell you that much but masako you do rock and this yes, has been a delight. You. And if if <laughs> if you'd if you weren't afraid of us as your new two super fans, in a year when bounce back three, we would love to do this again. Yes. Oh, that would be amazing. Please, let's do it again. Okay. It'll happen. So finally, we'll we'll play some awesome music on the way out. Is there any particular like do you listen to music when you're what's the soundtrack to this? Do you have a song that like oh, what's Emma's oh. favorite song? Actually, C likes a little more like indie rock, Ooh. kind of a 90s, okay. 90s one, high standard, stuff like okay. that. Yeah. But me, personally, I like watching uh, MMA fights while I'm drawing. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> that oh, is my God. Amazing. I love that so much. That's a whole new show. I, I can't. I can't believe we're finishing up this chat on that. I need to talk <laughs> about this so much. Amazing. Oh, now we know. Next time we're like, yeah, yeah, bounce back three. All right, and then next place. That's all we're going to talk about. Amazing. I, love I know everything. people get like a what? <laughs> get confused, but I like super cute stuff. But I like that kind of stuff too. I like that sports a lot. So both. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> that is like the ultimate mic drop ending. All right, everybody. <laughs> thank you for, for Comics in Motion and Indie Comics Valley and Femon. Misako, thank you. Thank you. We'll thank see you. Thank you. We'll see everybody next time. Indie Rock. <laughs>